0: The Tablet Show, episode 39, with guest Billy Hollis, recorded live Wednesday, June 6th, 2012.
1: From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show,
0: conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Billy Hollis about building touch-centric applications. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at
1: T-E-L-E-R-I-K dot And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to The Tablet Show. Richard and Carl here. Carl and Richard, we're live at the Norwegian Developers Conference and it's early in the morning uh, we're jet lagged and but it's
0: the first day We can't
1: even say jet lag that's how jet lag we are
0: yeah we're that jet lagged but that's a, you know this is normal for us i think
1: yeah i think so and we're here with dr hollis how are you billy oh, i'm
2: i'm let jag. Yeah, that's <laughs> what i
1: figured
0: <laughs> yeah we're all in this, about the same state but i was really excited to see you doing a session specifically about touch because i mean we're used to talking about user interface in general but touch is its own
2: thing Touch has got some of its own uh, particular needs and things that you have to be aware of for design. Uh, that's not to say that general design principles don't apply too, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of design principles that are specific to touch. Uh, things like gorilla arm, and, yeah. and things like how the, the the technique called rocking and things
1: like that. I think of gorilla arm. I think of connect because you know holding your hands out, whether you're gesturing to a connect device or you're. You're holding your arm out to touch something. It's That's the problem where your arm gets really heavy. That's
2: right. And and, and that kind of comes to the whole, everybody sees minority report, and all they get out of it is Tom Cruise cool. windmill, windmilling his arms all over the place. Yeah. And in fact, if you do that a lot, after a while, it does get to be tiring, mm-hmm. especially if you have to suspend it. But you'll burn some calories, so that's good. I guess. <laughs> 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 is that going to be the is that going to be the great thing about Windows eight? Is that yeah, it yeah. gets people to be more aerobic in their application yeah. usage? <laughs> I
0: never knew software could make me so fit.
2: <laughs> but that's that's what people tend to come bring away from. Some of the natural user interfaces is that you wave your arms around a lot, and and yeah, that's one of the design factors. It's the, the human factors. People figured this out a long time ago.
1: Billy, when I think about um, gorilla arm and avoiding it, I, I tend to I tend to think the things that we need to touch shouldn't be repetitive. You know, maybe the maybe we're at an industrial control thing that we need to turn up a value like once every ten minutes or once every fifteen minutes, something like that. But if we're sitting there. You know, with arms outstretched constantly uh, doing that, then then we re- need to rethink the design. Yeah,
2: that's absolutely the key. So that if you're looking at, for example, a kiosk application where someone's going to use it for 60 seconds or 90 seconds at mm-hmm. the max, then you don't have to worry about those things. But you're not going to be doing a lot of spreadsheet things with people moving ranges of cells around and, and any kind of app that's going to require... First of all, the, any of the fine-grained stuff that you'd like to do, you just can't. Right. But anything that just requires a lot of repetitive stuff, you don't want to uh, to do touch with uh, on a vertical surface. Yeah, that's now, the now, thing I was going to Now, you get it bring on up. a horizontal surface, now all of a sudden you've got a lot more latitude because the physiology is different if someone is resting something. We've talked to several times on this
1: show about redesigning the desk. So maybe your touch device isn't completely down at a, you know, horizontally, but mm-hmm. maybe it's up at a... 15-20 degree
2: angle or something some kind of like angle that. like that Now I have, I have kind of changed a little bit in, in my thinking over the last few months looking at uh, some of the some of the stuff that I've done and some of the research I've seen from other people in that vertical touch in general I've been pretty sour on mm-hmm. for a long time but the idea of vertical touch is something that happens occasionally you're so in the course of doing something. Short interactions, while you're mostly doing the keyboard, and you might have a mouse and you do some other things. But there are there's some subset of things that you do with touch that's mm-hmm. more intuitive. I, I'm I'm coming around to the idea that maybe that might be a more viable uh, design pattern than I thought it was. So,
0: be. That, are we talking more of the gesture style touch than the click on a button touch?
2: We are, but but also some of the swishes and things to to very rapidly control. Where you are on a list, for example. I think that, from my own experience, that feels more natural with with touch well, than it does with a mouse. It's incredibly hard to
0: do a pinch with a keyboard and a mouse. Like, yeah.
2: Pinch right. is such a good movement. Yeah, that's a, that's another good example of it. But I, for, for me, I found it so much in once you grow accustomed to using the iPad and the Kindle and the Windows phone and the other things where you're just doing everything mm-hmm. by swishing through lists. You get to the point where you just you want your list to act that way, right, even if you're in a uh, like corral draw or something and yeah. you're looking at drawings you want the, you want to be right. able to switch the list
1: you know the other thing that I think about a lot is uh what happens to your neck muscles when you're not at the right angle I mean if your touch and your vision, your hands and your vision are are at the same angle, that angle has to be comfortable for both of them. One of the cool things about having a screen that's vertical and your keyboard and mouse on the desk are that your hands are at rest and your head is at rest. Yeah. When you bring them closer together, now you may have neck cramps as well
2: as gorilla arm. That that is another problem. And we're going to have to do a lot of experimentation to see what are some of the limits. I saw a couple of weeks ago some research that was done by Intel, actually, Mm -hmm. that that to a certain extent went against the traditional human factor stuff about the amount of time that you could do vertical touch and, and, and how long it would take for you to get gorilla arm. They discovered that in routine application scenarios, not just forcing people to touch and do stuff, which is where the original, the original research came from. Mm-hmm. It was almost, uh, um, an academic research kind of thing in which it was kind of artificial. It was an artificial user interface environment. The people at Intel discovered that when things are a little bit more like real-world applications, that the amount of time you have is longer than the academic studies suggest. Because
0: you're not focused on the arms,
2: right? That you're not you're not just holding it there and doing things. It's you 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 do something and then you wait and you look and you think about it and you do something else and and then you swish for a while. Right. You don't just hold your arm up there all the time.
0: Yeah. So I mean, if you're doing drills because it's continuous, you're going to wear out that much faster. Whatever. That's right. The, the normal. When we, you actually think about how you use a machine, say the classic browsing scenario where you you have to read and think for a while, and then make an, a set of changes, and then right. do it again.
2: So, I'll, and and if you'll remind me, I'll I'll get the link to that Intel research okay. in the links for the show because it was it was kind of eye opening to me in that I, don't, I gosh it went so much against what I've always thought of that, that maybe I think they overstated it a little bit, mm-hmm. but it certainly didn't indicate that there's more more range in. in in the design possibilities yeah. there than I thought there were.
1: You know, um, another thing that I'm thinking about here is that it all comes back to design. Maybe you can design, the, the focus of designing with touch and gestures is to reduce the amount of movement that you have to do. So instead of, you know, pressing next to advance a slideshow, you know, next, have an auto, something that does it automatically that, the norm is that it just works and then when you need to interrupt it then you uh you do a touch gesture or whatever and i'm simplifying of course but in other words make the default behavior such that you don't need to you don't do yeah, as much
2: yeah there are several design principles uh, uh, around that idea the most uh, The Probably the biggest one, the one that hits closest to that, is called locality, which basically says you ought to put things where they're likely to be needed. Don't Mm -hmm. make people go long distances across the surface. I don't know that 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 is much of an issue when you, for example, designing it. touch interface for phone phone, I mean, the screen's just not that big. Right, right You don't have to sure. move that much. iPad, okay, now maybe it's a little more important there, but we'll eventually get these touch surfaces that are that are very, very large, the 24-inch displays, and now you do start to have to worry about it. you have to be, and
0: then you get further away. I mean, the whole thing with a phone, and we've sort of talked about this already with the vertical and the horizontal surface, but remember the Microsoft people showing us how they make mock-ups of tablets, of slates and carried them around to show where the natural range of reach on the screen was. And it was just your thumbs in the, yes, the bottom yes, left and bottom yes. right-hand corners. So they sort of located an awful lot of the control functionality based on that
2: positioning. They've done some good research there, which gives, one would hope, the Windows 8 experience the possibility of having some improvements over mm-hmm. the iPad. Because in order to break into that market, they're going to have to be better than the iPad sure. in some respects. And it looks like their on-screen keyboard with that kind of uh, research behind it may be one of the ways they can do that. When they,
0: yeah, I guess on-screen keyboards is a whole other thing where we talk about touch because I think all three of us are touch typists, right? We look right. for the home row. We want those bumps. The stroke matters. Yeah. <laughs> and we, I really care about that stuff.
2: I'm never going to use an on-screen keyboard <laughs> for more than a paragraph or two. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm
0: not going to do you, that. You can't actually type on them. Yeah. You, you have to look at what you're doing.
1: You know, another thing that occurs to me is, as we're talking here is that and we've said it before too, is that it almost makes sense to have a small device act as a remote for a larger display.
2: That you know, we we actually did that in some of our prototyping for um for a medical system. We had to because the device that was being used to display some medical images was extremely high resolution. And when we will when we will have we have a version of that that's touching a oh gosh maybe years. On the other hand, there were some. Definite productivity advantages to be gained by trying to make some portion of that, that workflow touch based. So yeah, the small device that kind of sits down horizontally that works with the vertical device mm-hmm. is an interesting handheld. user interaction pattern. We've prototyped that out and you've got some interesting possibilities there. Uh, in particular, one of the nice things that, that the XAML technology on WPF did that none of the other XAML technologies do, as far as I know. Was we had the ability to take whatever was on the touch device and echo it up to the vertical device, right. which was a, a big help because y- that's where you want to be looking if you're going to get into that kind of ergonomic situation. You don't want them to really have to look very much at mm-hmm. the at the touch
0: device. And this gets back to Carl's original point of where your hands are naturally comfortable, and where your eyes are naturally comfortable, are not the same uh, place. Yeah, right,
1: right, right. Yeah, I'm I'm actually thinking now of something that's about the size of a uh uh an uh, a a nook or a you know a, a Kindle fire. Yeah. And having uh something you can hold in one hand and maybe having a couple buttons that would act as mouse buttons, but then just have a surface. So I'm looking up at a huge sixty five inch screen, right? And I can as I move my finger around, I'm moving my cursor but around and see I'm what's selecting. going on up there, yeah. But I'm looking up. And then when I want to select
2: something, I can click it. And 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 you've also in that situation, we found that you you want to go even bigger than you normally do with touch mm-hmm. in terms of having large buttons, so you don't have to look very carefully to see what you're doing. But that did turn out to be something that that was a, was a was a viable form of design for certain kinds of workflow. Didn't we see this at Build where?
0: they showed the finger on the screen up on the projector. It was sort of like a fuzzy mouse button, but it was a ball. Like You wouldn't have a sense of how much bigger a fingertip is than a yeah. mouse pointer. And,
2: you know, I've got to figure out how to do that one of these days. I haven't figured that one out yet. <laughs> now,
0: I, I've always been big on this idea of, I, I, I would like a keyboard that was also a touch surface so that I could do my swipes and gestures and things like that, Yeah, these, these touch gestures, and it would just show up on the screen. I hate touching my screen. I, I I've got... I've got oily fingers, right? Like I, need, I always leave a mark on the
2: screen. Yeah, and I can't wait for the uh, for the articles ten years from now talking about how much bacteria there is on touchscreens because.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. In Windows 8, there's actually a feature that in the if you go in the mouse control panel, there's a touch control panel thing. You see what's going on there, Richard? When I'm touching the screen, the uh, what's I'm going to describe it here. When I'm touching the screen, there's like a little. A fuzzy ball that follows my finger.
0: You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like the, the heat signature. When you touch a cold piece of glass, your fingers warm enough that you get that little uh, evaporative spot. And then it, it, what's needed is the way it contracts is exactly like it evaporates. So it's a big spot and it gradually gets smaller over a fraction of a second. It's so natural. It looks, you don't, you don't think it's, digital like isn't that that's to me kind of profound yes at this moment we're like that looks like something from nature not something from microsoft well that's
2: the entire philosophy of touch that's the reason that it that it that it took over the way it did mm-hmm. it's they call it an immersive experience right. as soon as people experience it they don't they don't want anything else i i, I ask crowds this a lot and this is developers are that don't think about these things sometimes mm-hmm. but themselves and their relatives i ask them to think about um, people that they know or themselves who have bought an iPad, and I, I ask, okay, now when you bought the device, what did you buy it for? What did you intend to do with it? Mm-hmm. And the most common answer is, I had, didn't have a clue. Yeah, isn't that funny? I, <laughs> I, did, mean, I didn't know. I mean, what what cons- what other device in our industry pushing a thousand dollars? Yeah, pushing a thousand dollars. Do people walk in, see it, and go, I gotta have one of these? Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to use it for, but I'm going to buy it anyway.
1: Well, I think a lot of people have seen their friends or whatever have an app, but everybody's got a different app, you know, so they think, "Oh, well, this is the cool thing." I got a story for you. So, stepdaughter number 2, the oldest one, uh she uh is one of these people who's spends all her time in her room studying. So, she doesn't, you know, have too much time for socializing and technology even. So, for Christmas, I gave her a uh, an Asus transformer what do they call those, e-pads right, so it's about a $300 device that has uh, uh, you know, Android Android, yeah. Android on it, and um, she basically didn't use it, you know, she said ah, I don't want that, I don't need that six months later her phone dies, she needs an alarm clock <laughs> <laughs> and, and my wife says, well you know that device that Carl gave you for Christmas has an alarm clock. She goes, "Really?" And uh, so then she looks at it. Oh, and you can get Netflix on this. <laughs> Devices are so much
0: more interesting when you actually look at them.
1: And then, and then I can get my Kindle books on this. Oh my God, this is awesome! So yeah, so six months later, because she needed an alarm clock to wake yeah. herself up in the morning, she looked at it. the the hook
0: elements. The uh, I. When I spent most of my time writing code, which is just not what I do these days, building new applications, I was big on every time I put out a rev, I called it the lollipop feature. What was the thing that was going to make people explore the new features? Yeah. Set? It was always one little, and it deliberately made sure that was in the build. Like that was the thing that would hook them. I'm still, I always look for that in these touch bases.
2: Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's part of user psychology, understanding that that hmm. needs to be there. I, I learned this lesson in 1995 when, <laughs> I wrote this application for report generation. And to define it, one of the things that you specified was whether a parameter for the report was locked or unlocked. Mm -hmm. And I made it so that that wasn't lock, unlock, icon. You click it and it goes locked. You click it and it goes unlocked. Now you got to, this is 1995. Right. Okay. So uh, yeah, I know. This sounds like old hat today. At the time, none of the users had ever seen that. Now that took me 10 minutes. The rest of the app, which was the interesting part, had taken six weeks of some of the hardest, more, more more in-depth work I'd ever done. Some of the cleverest stuff I ever came up with. But the users didn't care about any of that. No. They loved they your loved, lock. I kept getting stopped in the halls for the next few weeks. You're the guy that did the little lock and unlock icon, aren't you? And that's <laughs> something that, that developers have to understand. And and it's certainly, more, I think, more probably more true in the touch world mm-hmm. than it does almost anywhere else. People are... People are looking for that thing to key in on that makes it feel
1: right. And developers definitely think that there's a direct correlation between the amount of work they put into
2: something and the amount of value that it has for the end and user. And how many, yeah, that is that is just the continual plea that I give them is don't worry about these internal, look, I understand the need to have internal quality in the app is very big and the organization needs that. But goodness gracious, you've absolutely got to balance that with that, that, that external quality For sure. what the user sees and what they like if you can't if you can't have that balance there then then you're not you're really not doing your job as effectively nearly as you could
1: this portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. hey can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight Controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems. All of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com free freestuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash freestuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the Tablet
0: Show. One of the complaints that I'm seeing right now as Windows 8 is coming up to its release date is uh, people complaining about the lack of discoverability of some of these features. Is that just a general problem with touch? Like, I know we all get the pinch gesture now,
2: but that's not discoverable. Uh, Well, here's the the problem. Um, There's a design principle around that, the idea of what's called affordances, signals Mm -hmm. that that show you the entry point, that make it obvious that you're supposed to touch somewhere and do something. Mm-hmm. And the, the Windows 8 team has decided to minimize the number of affordances. Now, that has the advantage of making the design clean. Right. It has the disadvantage of, of, of hurting discoverability. The discoverability. I think their expectation is that the discoverability problem is a short-term
1: right. problem. That's something different from Microsoft. They yeah. have never been that way. They've always been about, let's make this painless for the beginner. Exactly. Like Visual Studio is a perfect example. Of that. So
2: they're taking a risk here because mm-hmm. when you do that, when you when you decide to push the discoverability off in favor of some of the other things, you can get away with that if if the number of things that somebody has to learn isn't too high. Mm-hmm. You get to the point where it's too high. Now everyone that they have to learn is a potential point where they go, "Screw this! I'm not going to fool with this anymore." Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. so the longer that list is, the the more risk you have. Right now, there at this point, I'm putting that that list at probably. About four things that I think the
0: user really does need to know. Really
2: does need to know is going to be it's it's hard for them to figure out how to do the, it.
0: The swipe to the from the right to pull up the the charms. The, yeah, those are the kinds of, like you need to know those things. Yeah,
2: and and even going from the desktop back to Metro is what was the famous video about that? Mm-hmm. And certainly, I I experienced that a little bit myself. Is it's just not especially since the Start thing now is, is completely gone. Right. Uh, there really isn't. An obvious way to do that there's the there's the key on the keyboard, but I, I don't know anybody who ever used that. Right. And then there is the swipe on the side, which I think will end up being the, the way almost everybody does. Do. But then, what if you don't have a touch system, or there's something wrong, or, or so? So I'm a little bit worried that they're, they're that they've made some judgments there. I'm willing to suspend judgment and see if they're right about this. And this this. is not specific
0: to Win 8 either because the iPad has a bunch of hidden touch tricks too that people just have to kind of discover on their own.
2: But the iPad seems to do a little better job of, well, all of the platforms do. Let's look at the Kindle, for example. The Kindle has one that is not obvious at all. Mm. When you start to read on the Kindle, on the Kindle Fire, it has a magic touch point in the lower right portion of the screen. If you touch there, that's that's next page. There's no visual indication of any sort that that's what you're supposed to do, mm. but you will discover it yeah. at some point by accident. And once you discover it, it's kind of obvious what it does, right. and you don't worry about it from there on. Right. So that's the difference in a, a, a good experience there and versus one that's not, not so good. And I think the iPad does a good job of you're going to stumble across those things yeah. sooner or later. Well, we
1: talked about this um, on an earlier show when the uh, consumer preview, not the developer preview, but the consumer preview came out of Windows 8 and they removed the, the start menu, which is the way that most people go to the thing that most people go to to navigate yeah. around. And they replaced it with the, w- the Windows button. Right. When you hit the Windows key on the keyboard. You go back to the start menu in Metro or you swipe to the right. And uh, they showed this video of a guy sitting his father down. Yeah,
2: that's the video I was talking about yeah. earlier, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and 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 that is a simple problem to remedy, but until you get over it, like that guy probably isn't going to use Windows yeah. ever
2: again. And I guess I would have expected, because we've run into this with the apps that we build mm-hmm. and our standard solution for things like that is that we have a set of things that are in place for some period of, of, of acclimation time. Right. And then at the end of a certain period of time in which we think that those things probably aren't needed anymore, we offer the user the ability to, you want to get rid of all this and clean the, clean things up? Right. We typically do that with animations, for example. Yeah. We look at, at animations that kind of signal what's going on to the user. They're a big help when somebody first begins using an app. They they subconsciously signal certain things to the user about how the app works that we want them to know. On the other hand, after a while, you don't need them anymore. You've got that mental model already built yeah. of how the app
0: works. You sort of built up what the, the rules of controls are for it. Now. Yeah. You're comfortable with it. Um, office 2010 had this problem with the little the office ball where, where you know, file save as. Yeah. In Office 2010, when they tried to eliminate all the, the menus and so forth, it became a real problem. Where Where is that? And they put that Office ball, the, the original Office ball didn't do anything. And then they, they made it animated.
2: They made it sort of twitchy so that you would notice it. Because if you click yeah. on that, that's where all that stuff was hidden. So uh, it surprised me a little bit that they didn't at least, uh, maybe they did and I just didn't see it, uh, experiment with the possibility of having some... Some a little bit of affordance kind of mm-hmm. of stuff at the very beginning, but that it would fade off over time. But I think they they wanted the consistency. They wanted the they're really really working hard for a clean UI. Right, and, and I understand that the drive for that and uh, design is always trade offs. Yeah,
0: the, you had to give up something to get something. You else.
2: always do, mm-hmm. and and sometimes you're trading off right now on features or capabilities or usability versus flexibility. Other times you're trading off on on, it's easy to start with, but it's annoying later. Right. Um. It. It's just. It, it, it's a complex series of trade offs, and and so I'm. I'm not prepared to say that they got it wrong. We'll. We'll know. The users will tell us mm-hmm. after a certain amount of time whether they call the right balance on yeah. that or not.
1: I, um, it, you know, I started selling a product uh, a few months ago, Gesture Pack, which is this gesture recording and uh, recognition system for, for Connect. Connect. Yeah. yeah. And I knew that I was going to have a discoverability problem because it's a very simple user interface that requires speech commands. So the first thing that I did uh, was to create a user interface that has the list of things you can say on the right side of the screen. And I sort of made that the custom control through which every screen operated. So it was a standard user interface. So the discoverability for what you can say is not there. Now using the program was another problem because there's nothing on the... it's a, it's a it's a thing that you look at from five feet away, you know. You're two meters from the screen when you're using this. I can't have a complex UI, so I basically created an interactive tutorial. And the way that I did this is something that you know anybody with some video and audio skills can do. Basically, it was to create a state machine, and during that during that video, uh, depend I went from you know. I, I show this video, I show that video, I'm at this state, I'm at this state, basically an enumeration. And then uh, th- it starts with a full screen talking head of me telling you about the product, then shows the product and you still hear me talking, but then allows you to do a certain thing. It tells you to do this and everything else is disabled in the app Yeah. until you move to the next step. And so it was a little bit of a challenge to to write, but I never had a better experience in understanding software than when I was guided through it, not using a demo, but using the actual software itself.
2: Yes. I've I've been writing software like that for a long time. I actually wrote a scripting engine to write demo software like that in Character Base back in the 80s -hmm. because just leading people through it and say, do this now, and kind of limiting them down to the right things, uh, it certainly has an enormous power. And, um, I'm hoping we'll, we'll see a bit of that for Windows 8. But I think that, that what, what, what the, the team is thinking is, gosh, if we get it right, we ought not need that. That they're hoping that they can get something so clear and compelling that, that it has that immersive feel to it. Um, uh, because the iPad managed that. So Mm -hmm. now that's kind of their their target.
1: I also think the iPad is a little less complex than Windows because... That's a danger, isn't it? Because Windows has desktop mode. Right. And the whole problem that this guy's dad was getting hung up on was, how do I get back to that mode where everything is easy and tile-based?
2: Exactly. And I remember when I installed Windows 8 on... uh, my, I have a Lenovo W510, which has a 15.6-inch touchscreen. It's a big touchscreen, so it's really good for developing, testing out Windows 8 and developing on Visual yeah. Studio 2012. Um, but I, I ran into trouble because Windows 8 installed just fine, but the touchpad was funny. It had yep. that, ten, you know, a lot, a lot of touchpad drivers have this bad tendency that you accidentally yeah. click on them and they click in the wrong place and are right. typing text that's in the wrong right. place. Right? yeah, just, yeah. Drives me nuts! I have to easily turn that off. Well, I I wasted fifteen or twenty minutes trying to find the place where I would turn that off in Windows Eight because the discoverability for some of the control panel things isn't as low. You're just supposed to, once you kind of relax to it, and realize that you're just supposed just supposed to use search for just about everything. Yeah, yeah, right. Then, then you can grow more comfortable with it. But you've got to get over that. I, I mean, we're talking about people like me who have been using. Software since the early '80s, Mm thirty years now. We've got certain ingrained patterns about how we do things. Sure, some of those patterns are just not going to work very
0: well in this new environment. Well, I do think we we dealt with this with the ribbon too. The the audience that has strong skills in the existing interface and knows how efficient they can be gets as very impatient with the new interface, knowing they're not being as efficient as they were.
2: Yeah, and and to this day, though, while I have grown to to take the ribbon as it is and not not be upset about it anymore. I knew where everything was on those menus right. in Word because I had Word from version one for Windows. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was a frustrating thing for me. Uh, my wife was the same way. She was an advanced user of Word and, mm-hmm. and she still does, doesn't like the ribbon. Yeah. But then I know that th- that I've worked with companies who have put software in front of users mm-hmm. with the ribbon and it has been a big success for them yep. that, that they just love it. And so... I I I understand Microsoft is learning from those lessons it's when you work in the design world anything that has to uh, to address a wide range of users mm-hmm. y- there are no perfect solutions there. and if
1: you want to innovate you really have to do that you have to leave old metaphors behind that's
2: right
3: yeah
1: the 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 only thing i was going to say before i forget is that um i've got an acer laptop that has one of those removable pads so the the touchpad is actually a little thing a device you can pop out and then use as a handheld remote control oh, that's but cool. it also has a, ba- a backlit button right on it that tells me that it's on or off and i can push it and hold it down to turn it on yeah. that's good design because well, now i'm not searching through software to figure out
2: something that should be a hardware that problem it should be a hardware thing that's right and i'm hoping that the the whole idea of increased emphasis on design that Apple is driven, and, and at the keynote here at NDC, talked a lot about I, yeah. I, I hope that we're going to see more focus on that by the hardware guys. Uh, it, you, I mean, you made the point earlier that, that the Windows 18 has a bigger challenge than iPad, because mm-hmm. iPad's simpler. You know, you can't can't plug things into a USB port in, in a, an iPad. So you've right. got all kinds of things you've got to worry about. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that, that, that there is a greater consciousness of design for all of those things, so that we can offload some of that stuff, so that it there, the, the tendency for the last 20 years has been, let's do absolutely everything in a screen somewhere. Right. Because it's a cheap way to do it, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that, that button costs extra money to manufacture. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so we got that's another place where we need to find the balance. But, I, it, it yeah, it, it does my heart good to see something that I don't have to fumble through menus to find. Uh, on the other hand... Uh, Is Are the masses willing to pay the money it takes for that?
0: Now, I am starting to see, I see folks on the iPad, and I certainly know for me now, my phone 7, that I've had it for a year, I'm fast with it now. I know where things are. You you know, the, the flick scrolls are really, really quick. I watch my wife navigating around on her iPad, and it's fast enough that you can't tell what she's doing. Like, you know, yeah. she's literally doing muscle memory to get to a particular place. She's not yeah. looking at the screen and moving things around carefully. It's like, click, 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 it's here.
2: Yeah. Well, I was surprised at how how, how fast, how quickly I did get fast mm-hmm. on the Windows phone. It took me less than a month to become more comfortable with it than any phone that I'd ever had. Mm-hmm. So um, that that's what gives me, even when I see some things Windows 8 and I go, I don't know about that, that's what I'm, I'm willing to. To, to get to the point where we have to experience it for that two weeks or a month to see whether or not they have hit the target. It's a bigger challenge because it's it's a much bigger space that they're having to design for, for sure yeah. than they are on the phone. You can get away with a lot of things on the phone. I I, I mean I, I ran across something just a couple just we put on the new um the new release candidate. Yeah. What, what, I think we call it release candidate. Release now. candidate. Now? Yeah. Uh, right. and I I have a Dislike a personal dislike mm-hmm. for active tiles, right? I don't that, like touch stuff, me, touch me. Yeah, I don't like stuff jumping around on mm-hmm. the screen. Some of the ones that are put in are put in with that stuff already turned on, right? And then it's it, the good thing is, and I thought this was very clever, the way to turn them off is extremely discoverable. You touch, uh, yeah, hold. Little pop, the little thing pops, pops up at the bottom, and you go, Oh, I don't want
0: this. Yeah, stop twitching.
2: Yeah. So, in a yeah, in like rush right, as soon as I found that, I go, I'm turning them all off. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got rid of every one of them. And then I went a back to But a moment of on. delight, and, isn't it? Yeah, it was great. Now you want to learn I how went to select to all. Them. <laughs> I went, no, well, now that was okay because there were about four, and I go, It's not very, very hard. Mm-hmm. And then I went, Now maybe I want that one back on because I wanted to show somebody else. I, I still don't know how to get the active tile to turn so back the on. So, the same behavior. In reverse, like just holding it yeah, down. Yeah, I couldn't make it do that. Really? Yeah,
0: that's not good. That no, because that's so obvious. Maybe I just, missed, maybe right I just missed
2: something obvious. But I tried two or three different things, mm. and it just didn't. It was like it was harder to get it back.
0: Yeah, now, I really and, don't like, it. and these, that's that's
2: always a that's dangerous boo boo. So yeah, well, it's still a release candidate. You know, yeah, they working they, on those. They, they, that's it. They, I'm sure they'll find things like that and, and fix them. But but that's a, that that's that's a. We talked earlier about the fact that there are n number of things that if you don't discover, you get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a subsection of a bigger list, which is n number of things, n number of frustrations people are willing to put up with. Right, um, and, and you get that list too long, and, and you're in trouble. Well, so. I do
0: appreciate that Steven Sinofsky has worked very hard to not make this a version of Windows built for us as that, yeah, very technically. Savvy and I people. am
2: absolutely in line with mm-hmm. that.
0: Uh, I'm just hoping that the the regular person is delighted by it. Well the, finds it discoverable. Well, the real question
2: the real question is probably going to be, I, I'm I'm just I, I've come around to the idea that for the consumer that a lot of the decisions that were made were were necessary decisions. Mm-hmm. But then the decision that this will be our operating system platform for the future, both for business as well as at least at this point that that's my understanding mm-hmm. of the strategy. This is because certainly the the Win32 API yep. needed to be revised, re- revised redone, replaced. Mm-hmm. And so now we've got this one product that is optimized for touch and appliances, but it doesn't really necessarily have... It's what what I think of as the next generation of what corporations need, well, that's where a lot of money comes from. That's yeah. where a lot of productivity comes from. But I also done. think
0: that... that- Most enterprises are not going to be jumping on the Win 8 bandwagon unless they specifically want to do tablet-style development. That's right.
2: That's The Win
0: 9 will be the one they do. Pretty much all
2: the ones I'm talking to, that's that's their feeling about it. They've just moved to Windows 7. Their natural lifespan for these operating systems as a platform in their business tends to be five years plus. But certainly
1: you can think of the employees now, like the same employees that have iPads, having Windows tablets because they can get their iPad experience and
2: they can use it as a regular laptop. Yeah. Um, so it's going, but it's going to be an interesting balance to see just how far you can push the current Metro UI up into that space where you're not primarily consuming information, mm-hmm. but that you are producing content. Yes. because it's not a content production platform. No, at this
0: point. not not that way. But I, and I appreciate it. Now's the time. If Microsoft is going to take a chance at really building a consumerish version of Windows, this is the one. Yeah because the next one is the one they're going to have to take much more care of the enterprise with. Yeah. And, and I
2: think it'll it'll change. They're going to have to worry about the content production aspect. Mm-hmm. And sure that's will. where that, that see Apple had the luxury of that they they separated it. they made the decision early on the iPad is going to be a platform primarily for consumption yep. of stuff. And now they
0: they keep talking about going into the enterprise but I don't see them do anything about
2: them. they don't they they're, they'll let other people do the experimentation figure mm-hmm. it out and even when you look at the places where it's being integrated with business software of which there are a number of them I've seen yeah. it's still primarily con- information consumption based yeah.
0: stuff but, but that you know get away from the operating system
2: that form factor
0: that portable slate style tablet device. Is inherently a
2: consumption yeah, device, exactly. Cause yeah, exactly, because it doesn't
0: have good U- interface, yeah, right. There's a limit to how you can put information into that.
2: Th- there's a there's a limit to how how you could supply content to the UI, yeah. in any way that would be in volume. Mm-hmm. It, it's when you do when you do user interfaces for touch. One of the one of the examples principles I really pound on with people is you want everything to be fairly constrained. You want yep. lists. You don't want free entry, right? And and so so yeah, the form factor drives quite a bit of that. So then. Can we take a platform that was designed for that form factor and still make it the platform that allows us to expand it in some way with better hardware f- to do consumption based or uh, content creation based stuff? Now, that's uh, well Microsoft's got a nice set of challenges. I also feel
0: like as we move into that space, we start looking at what a CRUD app looks like in the touch space. We start really rethinking the CRUD app. Like, how many of these things actually need to exist? Are there better ways to go about it? Yeah.
2: Them? Well, that's, we need to rethink that anyway. Mm-hmm. I think. Mean, we talked about this, I think, the last time that I was on the show, sure. about that, that crowded screen problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Ar- Aral at the keynote brought it up as, you know, it, you, your screen should not look like your database threw up on it.
2: That, that's right.
1: Well, and, 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 think, and, and as I said before, we we're conditioned to do that because in the days when those design principles were made, it was difficult and costly. It wasn't cost-effective to have all these different screens.
2: It wasn't, and and just from a performance perspective, et cetera. So we've got a couple of generations of developers that are conditioned with this notion that screen real estate is valuable, mm-hmm. and the small form factor is, is forcing them out of that. Yes. Uh, it, it, that sounds paradoxical in some respects where you go, well, if screen real estate is valuable, you got even less of it, surely it becomes even more valuable. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but after a certain point, that means you cannot just keep piling stuff on it. No. You have you to, have to keep sort it simple. through. You have to say, all right, let's get into the user's mind enough to understand exactly what they do need on the screen and what they don't because you have no choice you just don't have a big enough screen to, to put all that stuff on there and that to me is one of the big adjustments that developers have to make for touch they ought to make it anyway that that ought to be something that they're concentrating on because people will be more productive if you put the information in front of them they really need uncluttered by all the stuff that they don't right but in today's 24 inch screens you can get away with piling it all on there. Yeah. The users will sort it out. Now you're moving to a form factor where you absolutely cannot get away with it. So, might as well learn that that art. And it is an art of getting inside the user's mind mm-hmm. and understanding what they need, understanding how that varies with time, how how it under, understanding how it varies with the user's role. Right. And th- those are all those are all design aspects uh, and requirements aspects that developers are not accustomed to dealing with, that if they're going to move into the world of touch, they just have to.
0: So I'm thinking, you know, as Win8 ships and we start looking at this in in different business scenarios, the first question will be, you know, should I convert this app or should we rethink this whole problem, make a totally different kind of application? Like the the CRUD aspect may go away because we come up with a better solution.
2: Yeah, I'm having a hard time thinking of a scenario For business software today, where you wouldn't want to rethink it. Yeah, you
0: know, he said, "Well, where are you getting this information that you need to type in?" You know, uh, text box by text box. It's like, "Well, it came in from a fax. Well, shouldn't we fix it there?" (laughs) That's right. Yeah, let's (laughs) let's make the fax thing go away and eliminate this whole process. Yeah,
2: and and we've we've written systems that did exactly that. And you're talking about situations where you do some of those things. We've gotten forty to fifty percent. Productivity improvements. And mm-hmm. it wasn't so much just because the software was that much more productive. Mm-hmm. But we went back and rethought what the user's relationship yeah, to the software what
0: was. that actual problem was it's like it, it, there's a session for us sometime in the future. You know, are CRUD apps an endangered species?
2: Yeah.
1: How about this? How about a, a whole new design of a job where somebody can be at home on the internet and their job is to do entry. And the CRUD entry that the per- people in the field are doing with their tablets. In other words, take that whole process of sitting at a desk and entering stuff and looking up, you know, because entering the data and editing the data is really where the problem is, right? Looking at the data is not a problem on a tablet. Yeah. But maybe, you know, there's this whole, maybe there's like a whole breed of job now where your your job is just to take, you know, whether it's video recordings or audio recordings or whatever. and you know commands or things type those things in yeah. to make changes
2: i don't know well a lot of what what we see is, as software design today in workflow is forced into the crud pattern even though it's not mm-hmm. really crud let's let's yeah. take the example of i'm i'm someone who is trying to arrange um uh, to, to, uh, transportation. I've got a, I've got a supply. I've got somebody with some trucks. i got somebody who wants some stuff shipped. I'm trying to. I've got N in, in number of people that I might be choosing from uh, for either side of that. Um, that kind of application, I've seen it forced
0: into a crud pattern. Sure. But it's not. But it's all, you know, and you, you see why. It's because that's what people were good at building. That's right. So that's what they built. They knew how to
2: build that. So... So part of moving to the touch as well as just general business app reengineering, is you look at that and go, that's not really crud. What we really want is an application that allows us to manipulate these two sets of possibilities Mm -hmm. on each end and what the possible relationships and interconnection. And is there a little bit of crud on, yeah, I got to tell you what the date that this thing needs to go on. I got to tell you, I got to, I got to list the, the weight of this or whatever, sure, there's there's some measure of that. Mm-hmm. But instead of just having t- people do nothing but type in codes and such, that you come up with an experience that allows people to to, to manipulate these things in a more uh, immersive, intuitive way, That that's where the strength of touch will be. And that will make the big savings there uh, come in many respects, not just in the daily productivity, but some of the, I've seen these complex systems, it takes users two to three months to figure out where all the pieces are. Sure because the app doesn't match the workflow it doesn't match what the user does
1: exactly so if we're taking away anything from this it's you know think before you design for touch design your app before you design the screen
2: D- des- understand what the user needs at a level that is not typical mm-hmm. for for developers today uh, listen to Alan Cooper who is probably the the guy who who who, who has been saying this the longest. Sure. That this whole idea, I I, I put up a one well, on my pointless Twitter account. A while yes, back. I, this I is pointless. Up, yeah, want, this the is best pointless. Twitter account in the yeah. world. <laughs> I put up I put, the the most retweeted thing I ever put up. Um, starting coding while finding out what the users want mm-hmm. used to be a joke. Right. And now we call it agile development. <laughs> 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 and. Uh, <laughs> and, and they're, I always get into this. I don't have any problem with agile stuff, but it doesn't need to be used as an excuse for not finding out what the users want. Yeah. When these guys tell me the users don't know what they want, we have to be agile and keep refining because they don't know. I'm sorry. That's a cop out. Mm-hmm. The users understand their jobs. You have to get in there and understand it with them well enough to figure out how to make their lives better. Nice. And on that,
1: I think that's a show. Billy Hollis, thank you very much. Thanks, gentlemen. Always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show.